What's going on, awesome youth workers? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net here with a bonus episode for you. That's right, a bonus episode to simply share a message that I shared with my church called the five core values of a disciple. Now, these are the five core values that I share in my book, The Disciple Project, which is an outreach manual for your young people and a discipleship program for your youth ministry. And I said, well, I'm going to take this, this, this message that I shared, and maybe it will inspire you. Maybe it will help you. Maybe it'll, maybe you don't even have a message for tonight. And you're like, wow, uh, I need to go ahead and preach this to my, to my kids. Well, you can, because I've included the slides and the audio. You can uh, get it in my store, and I'm going to put a link down in the description below. And you can also get a link to the book, the whole book, where I talk about reasons for having a youth group, the whole outreach strategy, all that stuff. You can find that uh, down with the link down I put in the show notes. So go ahead and enjoy the message. And uh, if it benefits you, if it inspires you, if it helps your students, then I say God bless you. And I pray the Lord uh, brings about uh, some good fruit from it. So, but that's it. Go ahead and tune in. And uh, as always, I'd love to hear from you. My phone number is 205-260-7229. You're welcome to reach out. Shoot me a text. Let me know what you think or give me a suggestion for an upcoming episode. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you guys again on Sunday. Talk to you then. Today, I want to share with you something of my my heart, something I've kind of built my my whole life around in the sense of what I try to share with people about discipleship. And I want to talk to you this morning about the five, five core values of a disciple. And these are based on the words of Jesus. This is not based on my opinion. It's based on what Jesus is trying to say. And maybe I'll even dispel some myths about discipleship this morning that maybe uh, you've been taught over the years uh, about what discipleship is. And uh, my, my hope today is that you'll be encouraged, that you go, wow. Maybe I'm, I'm doing really good in this. Maybe, maybe I'm better than, because I know we hear enough messages in the world that condemns us that we ain't no good. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not anything. We're not very good Christians. And listen, there's, there's, you know, we, look, we can go all day talking about how we're not meeting the standard, right? But today, I want to offer you at least a way for something to look at and say, okay, how do I, how do I answer the question, am I a follower of Jesus? Am I a follower of Jesus? So let's go ahead and start with the first core value. And you would say, well, this makes sense. It's love, right? It's, it's love. And, and you know what? I, I don't think it should be news. It should not be, have to be a headline. Church loves people, right? And yet, uh, you know, anything that comes across that the church does today is some sort of headline news uh, that we've done something exceptional. Can I tell you what? Love is not the exception. It's the rule. It's, it's not something we casually do. It's something who we are. It's built into our DNA as believers. It's built into our heart and into our spirit. Because the scripture says, Jesus speaking, uh, says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everybody say, by this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I know there's many standards by which the, the, even the religious community, and this is no different than what happened in the first century, that the first century uh, Pharisees, if you're familiar with them, the religious folks, had their standards of what made you a good Jew, right? What made you a good Jew? Well, you know, you, you, you paid your tithe. 
You, you washed your hands. You did a lot of external things. You went to all the Sabbaths. And a lot of that was adopted by Western church because we made our own standard that says, well, what's a disciple? Well, a disciple is they go to church, they pay their tithes. <laughs> if you're really a good Christian, you go to Sunday school. Uh, you know, if you, right? And so we have created this thing of external standards uh, that we've kind of taken over from maybe some, some of that pharisaical code. But in reality, Jesus is making a statement here. He's saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, it's not about how well or how much you do on the outside. It's how much and who you are on the inside. Because if, you if you're a loving, caring person on the inside, you're going to be a loving, caring person on the outside. And isn't that what Jesus always said when he's talking with Pharisees? Where the Pharisees focused on the outside of things, Jesus always brought it back to the inside of things. And he says, look, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be loving. It's what you're going to be known for. And I'll be honest with you, I've known some people that they keep all the rules, and they are hateful people. <laughs> Have you ever met those people? Now, look, they're good, look they're, they're good people. They go to church, pay their tithes. And they're mean as snakes. They ain't got a loving bone in their body. Why? Well, I think we have. The problem is we have a measurement issue. We are trying to measure things. So, so how do you, may I, may I say this, how would you measure this? Because if we don't know how to measure something, we'll never figure it out. We'll go, well, how, how do I know? Well, I believe love is measured through sacrifice. Right? If you're a parent, you understand this. There's nothing you wouldn't do for your child. It's measured. You measured that, right? There's nothing you wouldn't do. You'd give your kidney for your child. You'd give your life for your child. And Jesus set the standard for that and said, look, I'm going to give my life for you. Love is measured in sacrifice. And so when we, by the way, we, we are really good. I brought my little measuring tool here and we're really good at measuring the problem is our tool of measurement what we're measuring by is often very flawed because I can measure myself against him and come out pretty good maybe I don't know or he measures himself to me and he says well he's pretty good Right? Listen, when you were a child, and may, you, hopefully you still don't do this now, but uh, uh, here, here, just stand up for a minute. Did you ever used to just uh, go back to back here, okay? Go back to back with me, right? You would get with your sibling or your friends in the playground, and you'd do what? Who's taller, right? Now, thank you, sir. Have a seat. So here's what we do. We do that also spiritually. How tall am I as compared to somebody else? Well, that works out. James, stand up for a second because I think you're one of the tallest people here. I think you're taller than me. Now, the problem is, is that when we compare ourselves to somebody that's taller, well, we're not that tall anymore, are we? We think we're hot stuff when we're comparing ourselves to somebody who we think's lesser than us. But we're not so hot stuff when somebody's 
bigger than us. And so our tool of measurement, our measurement through sacrifice, isn't, isn't measuring by somebody else's sacrifice. It's always measurement to Jesus' sacrifice. We're not measuring ourselves by ourselves. We're not saying, well, look at my good deeds compared to their good deeds. That's not what we're doing. We're saying, I'm comparing myself to Jesus. Go ahead and put yourself back to back next to Jesus. How do you measure up there? <laughs> how, how many of you say I got a long way to go? Okay, so here's, I'm trying to get our eyes off of us and off our neighbors. And if we're going to be loving, then let's love like Jesus would love. Now, that's a question you have to answer. I can't answer all those questions for you. Because the Lord will put it on your heart of what sacrifice looks like for you, for somebody else. When God is asking you to sacrifice something, that's time or money or any of those things, we have to be ready to say, okay, because the Spirit does that, right? The Holy Spirit is going to pull at your heart and say, hey, I need you to sacrifice. And some of you know exactly what this means. Some of you have done this. I don't pretend that none of you know what I'm talking about because you've had your moments where you said, look, I have, I have given great sacrifice. Because if you look at this next picture, I want to show you this. Jesus was really good at pointing it out. Look, this is what's called a mite. Okay? And you've heard the story of the widow's mite. And Jesus was really good at pointing out what sacrifice was. Because he says, look, do you see all those Pharisees over there dumping money in the offering? They're giving out of their wealth, out of their abundance. But this woman gave out of her need or her lack. A lepton, which is another name for a uh, mite, was the smallest and least valuable coin in circulation in Judea, worth about six minutes of an average daily wage. Now, so when we look at this, can I tell you this? Jesus wasn't just good at calling out people who were sacrificial. He did that. But he was good at calling out the lesser. Right? Who did he, who did he, who did he focus on? Who did he, who did he put his attention on? This widow. Right? The leper. The woman caught in adultery. Right? Sacrifice. His love for these people. Sacrifice. And that's something that, to be honest with you, that's something the Pharisees wouldn't do. They weren't interested in sacrifice. Right? They were interested in something else. So the second value I'd bring to you is this. So the first one's love measured through sacrifice. Right? The second one is humility. What does Jesus say? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything. Everybody say give up. Do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, how is that measured? Well, that's measured through surrender. Say, well, sacrifice and surrender, that's the same thing, isn't it, Paul? Not quite. Uh, let me explain. Sacrifice is an outward thing we do. It's, it's something that people can see, whereas surrender, a lot of times people will never see. How do I know this? Well, how about the time when you see that Facebook post that you really feel like you should speak about? You should answer that Facebook post or that social media post. And maybe you should just surrender your opinion. Nobody sees that. Nobody sees that you've given up something. Or you have something in a conversation where you feel like, 
Well, you want to brag about yourself. You're comparing your best against somebody else's worst, and you choose to hold your tongue. That's surrender. You're surrendering that. You're saying, look, I don't have to be the big dog. I don't have to be that. I don't have to lift myself up over somebody else to feel good about myself. Right? So humility is something that the church needs to know. So what are some examples of pride? Let me give you three real quick. Number one, the rich young ruler was very wealthy. Couldn't give it up. Could not. Jesus invited him to follow him. He couldn't do it. He just couldn't release it. That's pride. Can I tell you something? We can't release something from our lives. When we can't let it go, right? That's something that maybe is keeping you from following Jesus all the way. There's something that you're holding on to and say, i got to let go of this thing. I have to be humble. I have to humble myself. And that's hard to do. The church spends a lot of time beating its chest, looking and saying, look how great we are, when in reality we're just a group of sinners who love Jesus and are in desperate need of him. And the church has to say, look, maybe we should be a little more humble. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. Why? Because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus in public. It's a point of pride. He says, i got to go see Jesus, but I'm, gonna go. I'm not going during the day. Everybody will talk. I need to go at night. And the third thing is Pharisees excommunicate a blind man. Well, remember the blind man that Jesus healed? And the blind man said to them, he says, oh, you want to know who, who healed me? Is it because you want to follow him as well? Let me tell you what, that will get you kicked out of church every time. That will get you kicked out of church if you're going to talk to the Pharisees that way and say, hey, by the way, are you guys looking to follow him too? Smart Alec, just healed. Being a little smart Alec, aren't we there, Mr. Blind Man that can now see? I don't know if he was being honest or he was being funny, but I can tell you what, it wasn't funny to the Pharisees because they were losing that day. And they said, and the Bible says, and they cast him out. That means you are out of the church. You're out. You're no longer, you can't be a part of who we are. And the parents, the, his parents were like, well, he answers for himself. They were not quite ready to stand behind the position that Jesus healed their son. They said, well, no, he answers for himself. Why? Because they didn't want to get cast out. Can I tell you what? There's a lot of pride that keeps us from Jesus. A lot of things we hold on to. Yes, there's a lot of people that sacrifice outwardly, but don't surrender inwardly. There's a lot of people who give up the external, but don't give up the internal. They won't humble themselves. How do we know this? I don't know. Have you forgiven the last person that offended you? Forgiveness is about surrender. It's about humility. It's about saying, hey, listen, I got my own problems and issues. Who am I not to forgive somebody? When I myself have been forgiven. I think somebody said that. Jesus, right? Forgive others as you've been forgiven. Pretty sure that's a standard. So we measure ourselves. Examples of humility. The prostitute washed Jesus' feet with her, with her tears. That one leper that Jesus healed that came back and Jesus says, where are the other nine? Got to humble yourself. Those other nine took off and said, I'm going to take my blessing and run. And this guy said, no. I got to say thank you. I got to say thank you. Thief on the cross. Talk about a guy who didn't deserve nothing. In fact, he spent the first portions of those of his dying joining in with his friend who did nothing but condemn Jesus and mock him for being up there. And one of them figured it out and one of them did not. 
says, Lord, forgive me. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Can I tell you what? That's where humility will get you. Humility will get you to paradise. He could have kept on. He could have kept mocking Jesus. He could have kept with it. But he says, no, I'm about to die. Maybe I should change my attitude. <laughs> Maybe I should change my ideas. You know what? It's a good time to do it. But that other guy, you didn't hear from him. He could have died before. <laughs> He's like, Maybe the other thief saw the other guy and said, well, that's my future. Maybe I ought to get things right. Who knows? But what I do know is this, that we need humility in our lives. We have to be humble if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. Right? If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, you can do what you want. If you don't want to follow Jesus, do what you want. But if you say, I want to be called a disciple of Jesus, well, humility is part of the deal. Third core value is holiness. Now, I understand that we look at holiness, uh, and by the way, holiness, right, is something that we confuse sometimes. We confuse it with just saying no to everything and being a hermit, right? The problem with holiness is there's a lot of people who stop doing things but never start doing things. It's all about stopping. It's like, you know, the old rule used to be, listen, you, you don't, uh, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't curse, uh, you don't dance, and you don't chew, and you don't go with girls who do. Right? That's about holiness. Right? We don't hang around with those rabble or those things. We 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 cast those people out. Well, I would dare to say that Jesus did the very opposite of that. Was Jesus unholy because he ate with sinners? He was not. We're, we we miss the boat when we're talking about holiness. Oh, we got to be holy. And then we compare and we measure our holiness against somebody else's holiness. Well, I don't do that. They do this. Is that what we're talking about? Are we once again measuring ourselves by ourselves? We can't do that. Not to be a disciple of Jesus because if Jesus is the example, then he is our holiness. He's our example. And Jesus makes us holy by our relationship with him, right? And then there's that big word, sanctification. Everybody's at a different level. Some people are more sanctified than others. But you can't just say no to everything and yes to nothing. All the Pharisees said no to all the terrible things that, the, that, that you weren't supposed to do, but they didn't say yes to Jesus. Once again, I know a lot of religious people who don't know Jesus. They don't, have, they don't have those things going on in their lives. And the Bible says, Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, say deny yourself, and take up their cross and follow me. So there's a no and there's a yes. There's a no to me and a yes to something else. Holiness, the Bible says holiness is about separation. Right? Not just separating yourself from bad things, but separating yourself unto good things. Listen, if you're going to be carrying a around a cross with you all day, can I tell you what? That's going to mark you. And you're going to be different than the culture around you. People who live for Jesus are significantly different than those, it should be significantly different from those who do not follow Jesus. The problem is that we've confused this. We've confused us because we're busy measuring ourselves 
to other people instead of measuring ourselves by what the Lord would have for us. What is holiness? Holiness is to separate ourselves, to be distinct, to say, look, those people are going to act this way. I'm not going to act this way. People are going to be ugly. I'm not going to be ugly. People are going to get on social media and say things. I'm not going to get on social media and say things. Why? Because I'm not those people. And I'm not better than those people, but they're also not my standard. They're not my, just because another Christian does it doesn't mean you do it. Once again, if other Christians are the standard, we don't need Jesus. We don't need the Spirit. Because the Spirit's going to inform our decisions. The Spirit says, hold up. Let's not post that. Let's take 30 seconds, all right? Let's, let's just take a moment. What is that going to create? What is that going to cause? What is the outcome of that? And then if we're foolish, we go, oh, blah, blah, my opinion matters. <laughs> okay. It's not really holiness because you're comparing yourself with other people or what they're allowed to do. Can I tell you something? Just because some other people are allowed to do it doesn't mean you're allowed to do it. Don't you tell your children that? If little Johnny jumps off the bridge, are you going to jump off the bridge too? And yet that applies even amongst believers. Just because that believer does that doesn't mean, listen, they're acting, maybe they're acting in an unholy manner. Maybe they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You don't know, but don't judge your behavior based on the behavior of somebody else. The Holy Spirit should inform your decisions, right? Be led by the Spirit. Don't be led by other people, what they're doing. Don't do that. It's a, that's a terrible idea. But you've got to deny yourself. Take up your, That's holiness. You take something up. You say no to yourself and say yes to something else. The disciples not only had to separate themselves from the world, they had to separate themselves from traditional religion. So even in our community as believers, can I tell you what? There's people in our, in not, now not our church, but there's a lot of churches. They watch a lot of religious TV. And that becomes some sort of model by which we live our lives. And can I tell you something? The, the folks that are on the television are not always right. I caught some flack one time. Because these people were following this prophetic speaker. And he had written several books. And then I asked them, well, what if he's wrong? And they didn't have an answer for that. Because they had drunk the Kool-Aid. And they said, no, 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 no we've got to buy all the books. Can I tell you something? I don't want to shock you here. But some people say things in order to sell books. I'm just telling you. They do it to sell books. They do it to sell things. Because I can tell you that the same person, when they are wrong, do not publish a book that says, I was wrong. They publish another book of other things they believe are going to happen. And when those don't come true, they're counting on the forgetfulness of the human being to go back and fact check that. And go, by the way, those things didn't happen. Maybe I should quit buying their books. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I'm just saying, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus purposely 
led his disciples away from the religious practices of his own day and saying, I don't want you to live. What did he tell them? They're in a boat going along. And what did Jesus tell his disciples? Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. What does that mean? Beware of those thoughts and ideas that take rise in your life. Don't become prideful. Don't become like those folks. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. May I say this? Beware of the religious. Of every religion. Just because it has Jesus' name on it doesn't mean it's from Jesus. Jesus said, people are going to say, what? I'm out in the wilderness. I'm over here. I'm over there. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't follow everybody that tells you. Are. Listen, that's why you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to direct you and guide you. You'll know that's called discernment. That's to be the follower of Jesus. He's te- Jesus is teaching his disciples that. Be discerning. I love this scripture from A.W. Tozer. He says, holiness, as taught in the scriptures, is not based upon knowledge on our part. Rather, it is based upon the resurrected Christ indwelling us and changing us into his likeness. It is not a contest. I'm not competing against you, and you're not competing against me. We're running together. Ephesians says what? That we might all grow up in the faith. We're not competing. It's not about, Paul had to address this in 1 Corinthians. Some people have the gift of prophecy. Some people have the gift of tongues. And we say, well, the people that do that, they're better than the people that are in the back scrubbing the toilet. That's not true. The Apostle Paul was saying, listen, this is not a contest. Everybody's a part of the body no matter what you do. However you serve. God bless our, our folks that are doing children's church right now. Can I tell you what? They're equally, equally blessed for doing what they're doing as much as I am blessed to get to do what I do. There's no difference between me and them at all. So our goal, rather, isn't to be competitive with our spirituality with one another. Our goal, rather, is to be changed into Jesus' likeness. Isn't that what Jesus said all along to his disciples? I'm your example. Be like me. Don't be like all these other people. So we measure holiness through separation. What are we separating ourselves from? But also, what are we separating ourselves to? Fourth is this. I'm going to blow your mind with this one. I feel like your amens have been pretty good. So we're closing shortly. I feel like you've done pretty well. Two more points. Stick with me. I'm going, to, I'm going to stick the landing here in just a second. Fourth is this. Study. Study. I'm going to blow your mind. Watch this. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, everybody say, hold to. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. These are what Jesus is saying here. I'm not making this up. Jesus is telling people, you're a disciple if you do these things. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And this is measured through persistence. Persistence. Why is that a thing? Because that word hold to, I'm about to show you here, Hold to is akin to saying, hold on. If you hold to, it doesn't mean you're obedient in every little thing. Because I know you're not, and you know I'm not. We're not all obedient to the very detail. 
In fact, I'm pretty sure the three years that, that the disciples spent with Jesus, they were all kind of messed up and made tons of mistakes. Right? They were never, they were, they, but can I tell you something? They held on. They hold to. If you get to the book of Acts, you see them doing it. They're still living it. The disciples are out doing the thing. Blessed by the Spirit. Preaching the Word. Persistence. And I think a lot of Christians don't understand that that word study. I'll get to that in a second. But you got to be persistently following Jesus. Not just when it's good. And not just when it's, when it's great. And not when the Spirit is moving. It's got to be in your dog days. It's got to be on those days when it's the most miserable day of your life. And you got to ask yourself, am I going to follow Jesus today? That's the deal. Persistence. James says that those who endure to the end get the crown. Hold to. So now I'm going to blow your mind here. 2 Timothy, this is KJV. Stop me if you've heard this. Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of you were taught that that word study had something to do with studying your Bible? It's not. I'm about to show you why that's true. Study is the King James Version of that, right? Study to show thyself approved. That's not what the, what the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy about. It's not what he was saying to him. What was he saying? Let me give you a couple other versions. NIV says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. New Living Testament, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Berean Bible study, study Bible, make every effort to present yourself approved to God, an unashamed workman who accurately handles the word of truth. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that word, that word there for study, is this. It's spodazo. Say spodazo. Spodazo. It's Greek. means to make haste. Hence, to give diligence. He's telling the Apostle Paul, be diligent. Be diligent to present yourself to God. Be diligent. He's not telling them, study all the time. Read your Bible all the time. Can I tell you, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we make studying the Bible worship unto itself. That the, we wind up worshiping Scripture instead of being diligent in doing the things Scripture says. That's the point. Study to make haste, to give diligence. The Bible says, when Jesus, I read that first verse, says, if you hold to my teaching, is, I think it's minu, 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 that's what it is. Say minu. Okay, it means to stay. Jesus says, if you hold, if you stay to my teaching, if you abide, if you remain, if you endure, you're truly my disciple. Can I tell you something? If you've given your best shot and you're a diligent to following Jesus, you're following Jesus. You're showing up every day. 
You're showing up every day and saying, today I'm going to live for Jesus. Today I'm going to follow Jesus. Today he's my example. And so you measure yourself in persistence. Some of you have persisted for 50 years in your relationship with the Lord. God bless you. You've persisted. You were diligent. That's the part we got to get into our hearts. It's not just about how much of the Bible did we read today. Are we persistently following to be Christ-like in all our example? God is not empowering us so that we can go to more meetings or more classes. He's empowering us to be witnesses and do kingdom work. Right? That the point is that we're getting excited, but then we say, well, what do we do now? We go to another class. It's not what Jesus did. The whole point of empowering us was to do kingdom work, to, do, to be a witness, to be a light, the things that Johnny Jernigan's talking on Wednesdays. That's what he's talking about. He's not empowering us so we can have strength to show up for church again. He's empowering us not to go to another class. And I'll be honest with you guys, discipleship, the church has gotten wrong for a lot of years. Because I can tell you people that have gone to all the classes, they've gone to 15 different things, and that the emphasis on knowledge, right? May I say this? It's not about what you know. It's about what you practice. I know a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible. Atheists know a lot about the Bible. But they're not practicing what Scripture says. The problem is we've, we've made knowledge the goal. Well, if you know more, well, then you know more. <laughs> but if, can I say this? If you practice what Scripture says, if you're loving people, can I tell you something? You'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot. And the last is this, is progress. John 15, 8 says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And what is that? How do we measure progress? Fruitfulness. Does our life change? i got to be honest with you. I've seen a lot of people come to an altar and never change. Have you seen it? I've seen a lot of people come to altars as working with teenagers for as long as I have. I've seen a lot of people come and snot on a bunch of altars, cry their eyes out, and go back to living just the way they were. Can I tell you what? Some people, the altar for them is therapy. You can say it's not true, but it is true. It's, it's that you have, listen, if you, look, if you want to do that, that's fine, but that's not the same as following Jesus. Because the Bible says that godly sorrow, godly sorrow turns into repentance. When we're really sorry for our sin and sorry for the way we've been living and sorry about the way we're acting, can I tell you what? That results in a change of mind and change of heart. Matthew 3, 8 says, John the Baptist says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When lives are changed, and it looks different for all kinds of people. Repentance looks different to different people, but always involves altering one's life. So when we follow Jesus, we alter our lives. Let me give you three examples. Nicodemus left his religious point of view to follow Jesus. How do we know this? Because he stands up for Jesus in the trial of Jesus. And he says, listen, uh, we have to base it on, on, you know, a man should have a right to speak. And he changes his point of view and he winds up actually sticking up for Jesus there by making a point of law because he was trying to help Jesus out. 
He's saying, look, we got to judge based on what he says, and they weren't letting Jesus speak. The second thing that we have is Zacchaeus gave back money plus more to those he had cheated. That's repentance. The Apostle Paul had a massive life change through his revelation in Christ and changed everything. It's not about what you know. It's about what you practice. And so my encouragement to you today is this. Simply ask the question, am I a follower of Jesus, and how have I been measuring that? And each of you get to decide in your own heart, says, Lord, I've been measuring by other people. I've been measuring by my own good works. I've been measuring the fact that I've gone to church all my life or I've been studying my Bible. Let me tell you something. There's lots of places in Scripture that tells you to study your Bible and how good the Word of God is, right? But Jesus didn't make that one of the conditions to be one of his disciples. It's not what he said. Can I tell you what? The religious of that day, the Pharisees, were the most learned people and missed Jesus altogether. Knowledge itself cannot do it. So how are you measuring yourself? How do you, how do you come to that? Once again, I hope that you're encouraged today. I hope you don't feel a lick of condemnation because I only want to present to you what Jesus says. He's saying what it means to follow me. And I hope I've done that for you today. I hope that it gives you points of reflection. I hope that it digs down into your heart a little bit and says, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean when I leave this building? What does it mean when I'm around my neighbors, around my family? What does it mean when I'm online or offline? What does it mean? to be in this body of believers. What does it mean to do that? It's practical. It's not what you know. It's what you practice. Does, does that mean you shouldn't know anything? Clearly, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're truly my disciples. Guess what? you got to know what Jesus taught. It's implied there. You have to know what he taught. So clearly, he's saying, sure, read the scriptures. Absolutely, know what I said. But you got to hold to it. Be consistent with it. Endure. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Your word is good. And I pray, Lord, even as we're closing today, Lord, each of us, your Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts. We didn't come here just for a good teaching. We came here, Lord, Lord knowing that you would show up and that your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. And I don't know, Lord, whom you're speaking to, whom you're not speaking to, but I know that you're speaking to us collectively as a body that says you're speaking to us no different than you spoke to the people of the first century when you said follow me and there are some in here that are hearing those same words today follow me follow me follow me 